The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Morning, everyone. Just thinking as Shane was talking about looking forward to spring, that a week ago, wasn't it 65 degrees? Come, Lord Jesus. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to 1 Timothy chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I just want to take a minute and just remind you of what, what we've been spending our time talking about over the last month and a half. The word focus is there on the screen. Trying to get focused on what God has for us as a church body in 2000, in 2019 to be centered on the things that He has for us, the things that He wants us to do. If you've missed any one of those messages, you can just go to our church website, westwaychurch.com. There's a media page on there. You can listen to actually messages from the last two years. I've said this a million times before in thinking about thinking about focus. Um, people, who, people who forget about their purpose will very quickly make life about themselves. I know you've heard me say that. But we'll all make life about ourselves. We'll make it about our own preferences and our power and our place and our position. So we want to be focused and remain focused on the things that Jesus has for us. We want to remember what his mission for our life is. And as a church body, what that means for us is we want to be a body that proclaims Jesus as Lord. And that's, that's as simple as it needs to be. We don't need to add any flowery language to that. We just want to be a body that proclaims Jesus as Lord. If you have any questions during our message time today, I would encourage you to send a text to the number that's on the screen. And then on Tuesdays at 1115, we go online and we answer those on our church Facebook page. You don't have to be on Facebook. You can just go to our website and on that same media page, you'll see those those Q&As there as well. Well, if you were to read through the first couple chapters of Acts, what you would see is a church that is, that is growing daily, that is growing by leaps and bounds. And we have to ask the question, why that was taking place? Well, the nice thing is the first few chapters of Acts tell us exactly what was taking place that caused all of this growth. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings, and they were devoted to one another. They were devoted to prayer. They shared meals together. They met frequently more than just once per week, and they shared of everything that they had. They sold their own things and gave the proceeds to the church, to the, to the leaders, for them to disperse to the people that had real needs. They met at the temple daily And they practiced, they had the Lord's Supper together often. Not only on their day of meeting, but throughout the week as they met in people's homes. I actually had a conversation with someone about this um, toward the end of last week. The early church, when they, every time they got together, whether it was at the temple or they were in homes, they had the Lord's Supper together, which begs the question, why don't we do that? When we meet as a small group, why don't we take communion together, which is a really good question for small group leaders uh, to think about and, and wrestle with. And if you are in a small group this week, 
my small group leaders are going to love what I'm about to say. If you're in a small group uh, this week, I would encourage you to ask your small group leaders that question. What would it be like for us to have communion every time we get together? No pressure, small group leaders. You'll figure it out. Here's, here's the deal when we look at these chapters. What we see is a group of people who were completely and utterly transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why they grew. That is why they added to their number daily, because they were a group of people, they were a group of believers who were completely and utterly and totally transformed by the gospel of Jesus. They were not Sunday 1015 Christians. They actually cared for one another and spent time with one another in relationship. But then, of course, it happened. Some people, this is in about Acts, this is in Acts chapter 6, some people, the Greek-speaking believers, they came to, they came to the leaders in the church and they began to complain that their, their widows, their mothers, were being overlooked in the daily distribution of the food. So one of the things that we can kind of see from this is the church cared for one another, and one of the ways that they uh, demonstrated that care was they provided food for people on a daily basis. And the Greek-speaking converts to Christianity, they were complaining that their widows, their mothers, were being overlooked in this daily distribution. So the leaders got together within the church and they nominated seven people who were, seven men who were respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom for the job. They placed, they set these men before the rest of the church. They were approved, they had hands laid on them, and they began to serve. And the thing is, is we would be tempted to stop right here and look at this model and we would maybe decide that the, the responsibility for caring for people within the church falls on the leadership. We would be tempted to stop and say, so when someone has a need in the church, well, that's the church's job to fix that problem, to solve that issue. No one else has to do anything, right? Isn't that what we have pastors for? to go out and do these things? Isn't that their role? Isn't that why we pay them? Isn't that why it's called pastoral care? Well, 13 chapters later in the book of Acts and several decades later on the church timeline, there's a church that's founded in the city of Ephesus by two men, by Paul and Timothy. And a few years after that, they return to this church in Ephesus, and they see that there are a number of issues within the church. So Paul does what anyone would do. He leaves someone younger than him behind to take care of all of the problems, right? You're going to clean up this mess, Timothy. Well, then what Paul does is he writes Timothy a letter, and we call this letter 1 Timothy. And in this letter, we, we learn about what the issues were that were taking place in this church in Ephesus. We're going to read today from 1 Timothy chapter 5, beginning, beginning with verse 1, so you can follow along. You can follow along with me. Never speak harshly to an older man, 
but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Now a true widow, a widow who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking God for his help. But the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead, even while she lives. Give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. A widow who is put on the list for support must be a woman who is at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. She must be well-respected by everyone because of the good she has done. Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? The younger widows should not be on the list because their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ and they will want to remarry. Then they would be guilty of breaking their previous pledge. And if they're on the list, they will learn to be lazy and will spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business, and talking about things they shouldn't. Some of you are like, wow, I've never heard this before. This is in the Bible. So I advise these younger widows to marry again, have children, and take care of their own homes. Then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them, for I'm afraid that some of them have already gone astray and now follow Satan. If a woman who is a believer has relatives who are widows, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church. Then the church can care for the widows who are truly alone. There are just a lot of things to unpack in this text today. And I want us to keep the main thing in mind as we think about what care looks like. This is not just about caring for people. This is not just about taking people communion on a Sunday. This is not just about helping people with a financial need. This is about discipleship. This is about the role of leaders. This is about the role of the church, not organization, but the church body. This is about the role that we all have in the discipleship of one another. If we were to go back to Acts chapter 6, one of the things that, that we would see is the elders, the apostles, found others for these roles for a specific reason. And that was because the role of the apostles, the role of the elders, the role of those leaders within that church was to teach. The NLT says it was to teach not to run a food program. Maybe you're really offended by that language, right? They don't teach, they don't, or they're supposed to teach not to run a food program, food program. So if you don't like the way the NLT says that, I went and looked in a few other versions and translations to see if there was something maybe that was a little less offensive to 2019 ears. Here's what the NIV says. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. And if you dislike that, here's the original. Like here's the King James, right? The original Bible. Here's what it says. 
It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Here's the point. According to what we are reading in this book, in this Bible, church leaders have a limited role in care for the body. It's not because church leaders are high and mighty and because serving tables is for chumps. It's a matter of role and responsibility and relationship within the body. By the time we get to Paul and Timothy at the church in Ephesus, we have the impression that there are so many people being cared for by the church, by the church as an organization that it was being a burden on the church. And Paul's instruction is simple. You have to limit the care to the people who need it the most. You have to limit the care to the people that need it the most. Well, how did they decide that? This is one of those times in Scripture where to ask the question is to answer it because Paul is very specific with how the church would decide who needed care the most. First off, primary care of widows within the body was to be done by their children and their grandchildren, not the church. That's what it says in 1 Timothy. It's their responsibility to care for their mothers and grandmothers. And this was supposed to be an honor by those children. This wasn't a burden on those children. To not take care of your own family members would reveal more about your status in God's kingdom than just about anything else you could say or do. Second, if you had no one to care for you, so, so let's say you are one of these widows and you have no family members to care for you, the church added you to their list. But in order to make that list, there were some specific things that you had to be doing to be on that care list. First off, you had to be at least 60 years old. You had to have been faithful to your husband. You had to have been well-respected because of your good deeds. You had to have brought up your children well. You had to have been kind to strangers and a servant to other believers. You had to be helpful and ready to do good. And as we talked about this text throughout the week, one of the things that we, that we found is, is this really isn't a checklist of external things. Okay? I am convinced that Timothy did not walk over to someone's house with, well, they wouldn't have had a piece of paper or a tablet, but they didn't have a checklist, right? They weren't like, are you 60 years old? Check. Have you been faithful to your husband? Check. That's not how they did this. These behaviors, these are characteristics that are consistent with someone who has a relationship with Jesus. These characteristics are consistent with someone who has been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. What Paul is telling Timothy to be on the lookout for is for people who have demonstrated through their lives through the way they live their lives, through the way they talk, through the way they make disciples of other people. This is about people who have lived their entire lives demonstrating that they belong to Jesus. 
And secondly, demonstrating that they belong to the church body. None of these things indicate a casual acquaintance with the church. The women who would have been on this list were not Christians because they showed up at the temple once a month. That's not why they were on the list. They weren't members of the church of Ephesus because that was where they got married. They were members of the church because their lives had made a difference for Jesus Christ. They were on the list because their lives were intimately engaged with the mission of the church. So that if you wanted to be on the list, you had to be living a life that indicated you were transformed by Jesus. Well, who doesn't make the list? I love that Paul tells us that too. Younger widows. Why? Because if they're on the list and the church just cares for them, what will happen is they will take no responsibility for their own lives. They'll simply become lazy and gossips. And this is really harsh language. Like when I read this, I'm affected by this harsh language. But if the church is taking care of people who don't belong on the list, who are younger, then this is, this is the fruit of that. They become lazy and gossips and they meddle into everyone else's business. If you want to know what that looks like, I would encourage you, just go to Cap and Co. during the daytime. All right? Just go to Cap and Co. during the daytime. I want to give you a little pro tip. You might see me at Cap and Co. wearing headphones. It doesn't mean I'm listening to anything except for the people all around me. What I hear so often from people who are engaging one another in conversation is gossip and meddling in other people's business. And so often, so often, what I hear is people complaining about, other, about churches in Scotts Bluff and Gearing, about what's going on in that church and this church and this little sniping that's taking place. Paul's advice to younger widows is to remarry, to have kids and, marriage and manage their homes. Why? Because otherwise they become easy targets for the enemy. That's who I'm describing at Cap and Co., is these people who fall into this trap of gossiping because they're not being productive. And I would say that this is not just for younger widows. I would say that this is for us. And the question that I would ask is, how do you spend your time? Who do you talk to during the week? What do you talk about when our time is over? Every Sunday, what do you do? What are the conversations you have? Here's the bottom line for Paul. The first line of defense for widows is her family. It's not the church. And when this happens properly, the church can care for the people that it is supposed to care for, the true widows within the body. And for us here at Westway Christian Church, we also believe that pastoral care or care is about role, relationship, and responsibility. We believe that the best providers of care 
are the people with whom we are in relationship with. That's who will provide the best care. And for those of us with with Christian children and grandchildren, they have that primary role. They have that primary role. John and I were having this conversation last week when when we were reading the text and talking about what it means. I said, John, when I get when I get older, it is not the church's job to take care of me. It's your job and it's your sister's job and it's your brother's job. You have that responsibility. This is your job. And that does not mean that I need to be shackled to a chair in your basement. But my children... My children have that responsibility. This is one reason. This is one reason why I've worked hard to disciple my children. Because if my children aren't discipled, they're not going to take care of me. And I'm going to become someone else's problem. And that's not what God has for us. God has for us discipleship, and they have that primary role our children do. And I know that our day is dramatically different from the day when this was written. Because for many of us, we are so blessed to have a child here locally for a period of time, because right now he's a student at Summit Christian College. But I know when he graduates, he wants to go into mission, so he's going to go somewhere else. So many of us are in the spot that we are in with our other children. Our other children live hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. So, so how can they take ownership for my care? And that's where the church comes in. That's where the church can have that role and that responsibility and that relationship. But we need to remember what exactly the church is. Here at Westway Christian Church, we know that there's, there's an organizational element of the church. But far too often when we hear that word church, we automatically think of the organization. We think of a building. We think of an address. We think of a physical location. But the church is us. The church is the body of believers, the set-apart ones. The church is the body of believers who call this place home. And this is a reason that relationship matters. And at the church in Ephesus, they had a list. They knew to whom they were responsible because they had a list. I love what Dave Robinson said about this last week. He said, The church in Ephesus did not provide care to every Tom, Dick, and Mabel who came asking. The church at Ephesus knew who their people were. They knew who belonged. And it goes back to that list when Paul was talking about the widows who were 60 years old and demonstrated this characteristic. They knew who belonged to their body. And for us here at Westway Christian Churches, we think about membership. Membership's not a reward. Membership is a responsibility that we have for one another. Membership is a role. Membership is a relationship. And when I'm in need or when you're in need and you turn to your church, 
You're not turning to an organization. You're not turning to a physical location. When we are in need and we turn to the church, we are turning to a group of people that we are absolutely expected to be in relationship with. We are expected to be in relationship with people. We're expected to do that. And it's not, it's not an association. Yeah, those people are, I talk to at 10.15 on Sunday mornings as long as they sit in my section at church. But these are people with whom I'm called to be intimately connected with. That I'm called to be involved with. And we're going to talk more about this next week when we talk about the importance of, of relationships and discipleship. But we here at Westway, we have two primary means of care for our body. Two primary means. The first of those is personal relationships. And the second is our small groups. Those are our two primary means of care within the body. Personal relationships and small groups. And we have lots of great personal relationships here at Westway Christian Church. I just want to share a little bit about one of those. Um, Glenn and Evelyn Kammerer and Paul and Virginia Ojeda. When I think about personal relationships, people caring for one another, those, those two families, the Kammerers and the Ojedas, immediately come to my mind. Over the past several months, and it's even more than that, the Ojedas have been going through a lot of, they've had a lot of physical issues, a lot of medical issues going on in their lives, specifically with Virginia. And one of the neatest things is watching and observing how Glenn and Evelyn Kammerer come alongside them because of the relationship, because of the friendship that they have, and they just, man, they just, they just care for one another. A couple weeks ago, Virginia had to go down to Colorado to have a procedure done, and the cameras took them down there. And you know what? That didn't come because this is, this is not what happened. Paul and Virginia didn't come to the church and say, hey, can you guys figure out a way to get us to Colorado? No. They're in relationship with the cameras. And the cameras knew they needed to get to Colorado, so they just took them to Colorado. Like, the church was not the go-between. It was just relationship. And they went down a day early, and they stayed in a hotel together, and they just worked on their relationship. They worked out of their relationship. That care came out of that relationship that they had. And when I asked them if I could share this this morning, they all four responded back to me, yes, that would be great. We'd love for you to do that. And then Evelyn said, when we went to Colorado, it was even fun. And then she said, but I don't know if I was supposed to say that. And I know it's not just the Camerers and the Ojedas. There are other relationships that happen here at Westway Christian Church where people just serve one another and people are just there for one another. And what would it be like to have a body that that was, that was just how we operated? That we were so intimately connected with, with, with one another that we just 
that we just cared for one another. We don't have to be asked because we're friends and we're in relationship. Here's, here's the second way, the second primary way that we want people to experience care at Westway Christian Church. That's through, that's through small groups. There are four things that we are hoping people experience in small groups here at Westway Christian Church. First of those is spiritual growth. The second is community. The third is accountability. And the fourth is service. Throughout the month of January, we sent out a few surveys and we encouraged people to respond to one of those surveys about small groups. And I want to share with you just a few highlights. They should be on the screen. How are you experiencing spiritual growth in your small group? There are some other members of the group that have a lot better scripture recall than I do, which has encouraged me to spend more time in my Bible study. Here's just another answer. We focus on prayer every week at the beginning and end of our sessions. We write down prayer requests and pray for each other constantly while keeping in touch with new prayer requests within our group. We also trust each other completely so we can feel totally confident that what we share in our group stays in our group. Spiritual growth also happens when we see our prayers being answered and witnessing that growth in those we are praying for. Here's a third one that I'll share from this, response, from this question. It helps us study together and share understanding. So another question that we asked was, how are you experiencing community in your small group? My small group has become like a family to me. I love each and every person in it. Our time together isn't just spent one night a week, but for several of us, we see small group members several times throughout the week. I've met a few key people out of joining a small group who are the first people I text or call in a hard place or when I need accountability. Hi, I need prayer because my relationship with my children is really challenging right now. I know that you get that. Please challenge me to be Jesus to my kids. People ask specific and relevant questions about one another. And then one more question that we asked. How are you experiencing accountability in your small group? I'm the kind of person who doesn't seek to have a lot of friends, but rather I seek deep. I, have, I seek to have deep relationships with a few people. That comes out in making appointments outside of small group meeting times where deeper community can take place. Such close friendships, they don't put up with crap. Just what somebody said. You can be upset with them. A while back, I was struggling with comparison. Comparing myself to other Christian women or burning with jealousy when another church member seemed to be enjoying a more abundant Christian life than me. My small group prayed with me and encouraged me through the week with these issues. One of the common threads that I want you to see in these responses and in so many others that we just don't, don't have time to post them all up there. One of the things I want you to see is that relationship with other people requires effort. Relationship with other people requires effort. And in each one of these answers that we saw, we see people taking responsibility for building those relationships. Westway Christian Church is, is not a church where you can just show up at 1015 and expect relationship to happen. You have to put effort 
into that. I have to put effort into building relationships. And this means work. The only way that we build relationships with one another is when we take risks and we get outside of our own box and our own idea of what we think a relationship ought to be. It means that we need to be humble with one another. And the role and the responsibility and relationships found in small group was instrumental in my own discipleship and in the discipleship of my wife. When we got connected to a church in Ohio, we certainly had we certainly had a great pastor. And each week he would talk about scripture and we would learn new things and that would help us grow and we were so encouraged by that. But it was in small group where we were allowed to ask questions. Where we could learn to grow where we could find out about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that was, that was spiritual growth. We had meals together and we spent time together, and that was community. We challenged one another. We were corrected and we were encouraged in our small group. We had to think hard about what we were asking and why we were asking it in that small group, and that was accountability. And then lastly, we were engaged in the service of the church together as a small community. We helped meet the needs of one another and the needs of people in our community, and that was service. And these four things, spiritual growth, community, accountability, and service, that's what we want to see mark our small group ministry here at Westway Christian Church. Care for other people is not just the role and responsibility of the pastors, but it's for all of us. And it's for all of us because of the word relationship. Ann and I, we lead two small groups on Tuesday night and Thursday night. And for a lot of those people, we are their primary means of care. And not because I'm the pastor, but because we have relationship with people in our small group. And with so many of them, it actually goes beyond just relationship. But we actually hang out with people in our small group outside of our small group time. We got together and watched the Super Bowl last week. If, if the, the females, if the women in our group have an issue like regarding their, um, their roles as a, as a spouse or mom or working in the community as, as a female— they don't call Anne because Anne's the pastor's wife. They call Anne because she has a relationship with them. And the guys in my group or other people in my group, they don't call me because I have phenomenally cosmic prayer power that is so much better than any of the other ministers here at Westway Christian Church. They call me I have a relationship with them because we're friends and we are learning together and truthfully we call on them because they're our friends and because the people in my small group and our small groups don't always don't only see me as their pastor when we do things outside of small group or when we do things outside of, like, church stuff, I've told several of, the, several of them this. 
they make me feel so human. The people in my small group, when I'm not engaged in ministering to them, and we're just being in relationship together, and we're just watching the Super Bowl, they make me feel like a human being and not their pastor who's on duty to take care of them. And I love that so much. Care is the responsibility of every single one of us in the room. Last year, we shared the, the one another scriptures from the New Testament. I would encourage you to, to, just, to just Google that, the one another's of the New Testament. Love one another, bear with one another. All of these one another's, there's like 65 of them. And one of the things I read this week is that many of those one another's cannot be done. Cannot be done. Cannot be lived out by sitting in this room on Sunday morning at 1015. We can't be obedient to what God is calling us to in those one another's if this is our only relationship together. And that's why, that's why I say that our 1015 is not the most important part of our week. There are so many other things that happen in relationship with one another and in relationship with God outside of this space. This is an important time. We gather together for a reason. That reason is to proclaim Jesus as Lord and then to be sent out of this place and go to our community and teach them about Jesus. That's why we're here on Sunday mornings. This is a valuable time. This is a priority time, but it's not the most important thing we do during the week. If what we're talking about in here doesn't leave this place, it's empty. It's meaningless. We just become the Westway Club where only members are allowed in. And that's not who God is calling us to be. Providing care is crucial for us as a growing body. It's crucial. There are two parts to this. If you look inside of your bulletin, you'll see a yellow card in there. On one side of that is a list of our small groups. And part of our small groups is small group leadership. Our survey also revealed that we're missing the mark in a few areas. We have room to grow, and part of that is we are searching for equipped and ready small group leaders. We're in the process of developing a plan so that we can help people become small group leaders. So when someone goes into a small group, they know that they're going to get spiritual growth, community, accountability, and service. If you would like to be included in that, if you want to know about know more about what we're looking for for a small group leader, will you come and talk to me today? And here's the second part. Like the church in Ephesus, we also have a growing list of people that we provide care for as a church body. And one of the ways that we do that, just one of the ways that we do that is, is through taking communion on Sunday. That's on the back side of that. And what we want to do as a church body is we don't, don't want to just take communion, but we want to provide discipleship. We want to provide a higher level of care and discipleship and relationship to the people on that list. And this role has traditionally been done by our elders. But when several of our elders are gone on a given Sunday, you see that list. And our desire is 
to not do drive-by communion at someone's house. But here's the reality. When we have a growing list of people who desire care from our body, and we have one person going to all of those homes, it can feel like it's drive-by communion. This is our responsibility. This list is the church's responsibility, not as an organization, but as a body. If you would like to be on the list of providing care and discipleship for people that are on that list, I would encourage you to come and see me today as well. Because we want to talk about how we can fulfill God's purpose and discipleship for everyone in our church body. So those are your two action steps today. Maybe there's three. I'm not in a small group and I want to go to one. Pick one. I would like to learn more about leading a small group. Come and talk to me. I would like to learn more about providing care to someone on Sunday afternoons. Come and talk to me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for thank you for showing us that Providing care for people is more than just a Sunday afternoon event, but it's a lifestyle. Thank you for being specific with us about what it looks like to be involved and engaged in a church body. We need that level of specificity. Thank you for all of the people who serve one another and serve our church in so many ways that we just don't see them. Thank you for the way that you are working in our church body, the way that you're working in our community. And people are being made into disciples through the hard work and the effort and the faithfulness of many people in this room. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.